You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, brought to you by Studio 420, a cannabis-friendly marketing agency. Thank you for joining. I'm Pam Schmeel, and today our guests are Trey McMullen and Daniel Sharkey. They are partners in a security company called Sciotos, where they consult with entrepreneurs and MSOs to write their security plans for their cannabis license applications. They also provide security plans and staffing for on-site cultivation facilities, dispensaries, and transportation. And most importantly, they are veterans, and they hire veterans for security positions. I was surprised to learn how many applicants overlook the need to hire security experts to write their security plans especially since it typically counts for 20% of the application score. And as Daniel points out, the competition is so fierce, you want to score 100 on the security section. So let's meet Trey and Daniel. They are truly experts in their field. So uh, welcome Trey McMullen and Daniel Sharkey to the Digital 420 podcast. I appreciate you guys coming and I appreciate your time. It's a pleasure to meet you, Pam. Okay, let's get started. You both started your own security companies. You both served in the military. And then you decided to join your talents and expertise to focus on Sciotos, the security company that Trey started. By the way, for our listeners, Sciotos is the acronym for See You on the Other Side. It's an endearment term used in the military. So how did you meet and get started in cannabis? Uh, yeah, I'll get I'll get asymmetrics out of the way because that's kind of at this point more or less a footnote. Asymmetrics got started to service Missouri uh, during its medical licensing round, and end up working with a group out of Kansas City called Harvest Three Hundred and Sixty Technologies. From there, we ended up up in Illinois, where Trey joined up with me, uh, and we were assisting cannabis license applicants in Illinois pursue their licenses, right? Writing security planning and uh, uh, guiding them through the process in conjunction with our friends over at Harvest. Trey and I uh, are launching a uh, security company up in Chicago together. Um, And we can speak a lot more to that and to the actual physical on the ground security aspect of the business. So let's move on to Sciotas then. Tell me about that and how you guys formed that and, and what that's all about. Um, so I formed this company in 2015, 7-11, September 11th is the day that it was formed. Um, I was actually laying on a cot, you know, risking our lives and doing this and doing that. So I was sitting there thinking, and I was like, man, literally, I thought like, you know what? I could do this. I want to be able to employ people that work like me and that have the ambitions and stuff like I did, um, and be able to make a decent living and kind of really de- sacrif- de- dedicate the company, you know, to all the men and women that, um, you know, been fighting for our freedom for since we've been fighting for freedom. I read in the bio, I think on your website, that you're providing a path for veterans and law enforcement officers. I think it's really fantastic. And it's a great way for, you know, someone to transition using the skills that they've been trained for. Um, I wrote this whole entire business plan out in the midst of getting mortared um, throughout the night. Um, it could be a challenging place for a young businessman because you don't know how much of your idea to give up 
because people have more access to capital than you. So they can make your dreams turn into your nightmare, meaning they can take your whole idea. And by the next day you wake up, they could have completely done it all just because they have access to that high level capital. So I, I took a chance, um, which is since then, you know, Sciotis has had the largest federal contract in Florida history. Shortly after that, I've ha- had the largest private contract in the state of Florida previously for President Trump when he was doing his reelection in 30 different counties to protect in uh, really big names in the music, music industry, Chris Brown, Drake, Wiz Khalif, and all the way back around private people protecting this and that. And I really enjoy it. So my job now is kind of just to really hone people in and let them know like, hey, the worst thing you can think of could possibly happen. Let's go ahead and be proactive and put some things, policies, procedures, and steps in place to prevent that. In the cannabis industry, you know, hey, as soon as you look at that plot of land and you begin to start to think, hey, um, I want to get into this industry and this is kind of where we want it, this is the time that you would kind of reach out to myself and Daniel and kind of say, hey, this is where we are looking to put this at. Can you guys just give me like kind of like a basic um, first level uh, threat assessment or vulnerability assessment on the area in general? Yeah, so with asymmetrics, one of our main focal points is the more the development side, getting uh, companies up and licensed. So that's where we're going through the entire layout of your building. We typically work with the architects and help them design the security infrastructure of the building, where the cameras are, how a product is supposed to move from uh, inventory to customers' hands, customers through the facility, staff through the facility, shipments coming in, et cetera, and really compartmentalize the access to everything in there. Because that this is what's absolutely critical to getting that perfect score on your security plan, which in the case of Illinois was 20% of the total points necessary to get a license. And in those sorts of competitive markets, you have to have 100% plus any bonus points they give you. So we take a holistic approach to security planning for these companies. And I'm proud to say that in Illinois, we have not missed a single point on the security plans we did for any of the growth uh, projects that we worked on. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and I know when we spoke earlier, you mentioned that it's the, I think, state police that will uh, assess and look at your the security plan in your application? Yes. Yes, that uh, state police monitor all things relating to the security of cannabis businesses, all the way down to the point where they have one of the requirements in most states is that I've seen, every state that I've seen, is that police can access all of your facility cameras through a a web portal. And the ones that we're looking at right now, that is also the case. Uh, I'm waiting to see what New York's regs are gonna be as soon as those are out, as I've not seen uh, their official rules and regs out yet. I'm a wager, if I were a betting man, I would wager that uh, New York is going to have a similar requirement. Probably. And do you work with the state police or are you just really know what you have to do? I mean, do you consult with them in, in any way while you're working on the security plan or? While we're working on the security plan, that's in the pre-licensing phase. So nothing to really talk about with uh, local officials at that point. Um, unless, of course, uh, mostly with uh, the building commissioners more than the police early on. You know, we. We want to say hi to them if we're, you know, if it's a place where 
uh, the real estate has to be in hand for the company to apply. And different states tends to vary. We've seen both. Once the license is issued, absolutely. You know, they, we need to know the local chief of police on a first name basis. And uh, state police, they're, they're more on a, re- uh, they're closer to the regulators than they are to um, people we actually have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Just they have to have access to our information. So what are some of the mistakes that you're seeing people applying for licenses or? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, first and foremost, having uh, someone with absolutely no security experience write a security plan. Yes, uh, in most competitive markets, applicants engage consultants to write their applications. So you have subject matter experts in finance, business planning and management, uh, cultivation operations, etc. putting together these up to 500 page applications. A lot of consulting groups out there don't have their own in-house security experts. So you, you may, you're probably going to end up with an attorney who knows compliance very well writing it and it should be looked over everything should be looked over by an attorney to make sure that citations and everything are properly in line with the law and that it it passes legal review anything you're doing but if you don't have somebody who actually works in security writing your security plan you're gonna miss a whole bunch of things yeah so are you mostly working with you know, the clients that you've had so far, are they mostly in the cultivation? Are they dispensaries, MSOs? Uh, it's, it's quite a diverse group. Of course, retail is going to be uh, the most prevalent because you need a lot more storefronts fronts than you need growers. Yeah, Trey, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> what are some of the other mistakes we've seen? Um, I would say you definitely nailed a lot of them. And, but, uh, you know, having that security personnel on staff I've got all my degrees, associates, bachelors, masters, and I'm in my PhD right now for global security. I've done the army side. I've done the real world side. And one other big thing is, you know, a lot of these, especially by the time they get to me, you know, they have, they have it when you're, if you're going to do cannabis, if you're going to do anything that's going to need protected, which is pretty much everything right now, um, you have to think of the security budget. I'm dealing with, so I deal with so many different people and they say, hey, Trey, you know, we've got all these millions and all this stuff like that. That's great. But when we actually sit down and do the numbers, well, hey, can how much is the actual security implementation? And I'm like, well, it costs this much. And they're like, well, we don't have a budget for that. I'm like, how did you get people to give you money? And you didn't, and no one asked, how are you going to protect it? So even if you're, if you're an investor, if you're, thinking about doing business with, with in cannabis, ask them, how are you going to protect this? What security, what security are you using to be able to protect my investment beyond your word? Because assist old cameras, who's monitoring cameras 24 seven? That still would have to be a security agency. So it's just like, let me hear your plan and make sure it makes sense because you can't just spend like, oh, I'm going to budget this much for this, this much for this, this much for this. And then once you get down to the bare minimum, you're like, oh, well, we got 10 grand to protect, um, you know, the facility. Well, you're going to get 10 grand worth of guards. 
that's not high quality. That's the first per that's the first customer service person that your your customers will see upon making entry into that dispensary. Yeah, the first person they see when they walk in the door is not the employee of your company. It's the guy you contracted to protect your company. So you better make sure that he's a good face to put on your company. He or she. Oh, absolutely. In terms of qualification, in terms of attitude, it's that is the face of your company. Whether or not that individual is even wearing your company's shirt or ours. I'm surprised that we haven't heard of more, or maybe I just haven't heard of it more like armed robberies and dispensaries because it's all cash based. Well, it, here's the reason, one of the big reasons for that is 90% of theft is by their employees. This, this is why uh, planning and compartmentalizing uh, access to the various areas of your facilities is so critical. It's all about maintaining accountability of who was even able to get into that room, who went into that room who wasn't supposed to, being able to flag it immediately. That's, that's where we re really come in and prevent the problems from happening before they start. Mm -hmm. So you so so okay that is the question then exactly like let's let's take a dispensary what kind of setup would you do for a dispensary so we have the uh, a signature feature that we design into the dispensaries and it, it's part of the secret sauce we we can't talk about that on here but suffice to say there's only one throat to choke if anything goes missing. Okay, there, so you're protecting. Yes, extremely limited, down to one person per shift. Limit the, the number of employees who have access to inventory to such a degree that you know exactly who it was. And we, have, we work with certain technology providers to ensure accountability of who it was or if someone who got into that room who wasn't supposed to then far beyond can and it just goes far beyond cameras um it, this is metadata and this mm. is more than anything just proper planning good, good access control protocols inside right so inside inside jobs and protecting the you know the public from coming in and doing any harm oh yeah so you supply them with a security team like in all different states do you yes so basically, you know, how that would happen is, you know, we go speak with a, with a potential client, you know, they've probably reached out to us for dual purposes. Hey, we want you guys to write our um, application. And then we're looking for um, the security aspect for you guys to kind of come on board and provide that, you know, that, that, that arm. We do an assessment, we do this and do that, literally drop it all the way down into operational security procedures, room by room description of security systems and how staff, customers and visitors, how they interact, you know, loss prevention, visitor policies, access control, facility monitoring, open closing security procedures, cash stores, trans, safety emergency procedures, active shooter, natural disasters, like I live in Florida. So this is also a thing of that you have to be cognizant of where you live. A lot of people get in business and they don't want to look at the hard 
factors. They're like, oh, I don't want to look at that. But you have to look at that because those that's potentially the one thing that could come and make your whole dream become into a nightmare. So you went from thinking like, oh, I'm not going to have to worry about a hurricane or whatever. Then boom, Hurricane Michael hits. The whole panhandle is destroyed. So these are things these are things that you have to take into consideration. Oh, well, I'm up north. So there's different ailments, yeah. different security things, different security risks and levels of security risk. When people think of security, they usually tend, usually tend to think about just the human aspect of it. This is way deeper than just hot, this just personnel security. This is um, water security. Um, okay, well, what if your water got cut off? Oh, well, you know, we have this little bit of, we have this plan put in place. You know, the state comes, doesn't one sheet. It's a one sheet. We look at it if this happens. But what if it really happened? Personnel, you know what I'm saying? Like stealing from your garbage cans. Have you thought about it? Clippings being stolen. People, your drivers from your transport. A lot of people use transport companies that aren't even transport companies. They're transporting in a little, probably in their personal own vehicle or a van or something like that. Well, what if that guy gets stopped, you know, and all the policies and procedures that state may have, and then you get jammed up? Then what? So you, you can't short change or shortcut um, in, a, in a niche where it's still not federally legal. There's so much gray area that even a lot of local law enforcement, you know what I mean, don't really understand and know all that policy and procedure because it's ever changing every day. You have literally states that are fully recreational right next to states that have no compliance whatsoever. I don't think a lot of people think when they're going in to do their pre-application process about, like you were saying, a security plan, but now talking to you both, it I really realize how important this is. And I didn't even realize what it all encompasses. It's extremely important uh, part of the business planning process. So, so, um, do you want to end with any closing thoughts? Do you want to make sure you get any other information in there? So I would say, you know, uh, that's kind of what, you know, we're doing here. So if that's something that, you know, you're interested into, um, everything is transparent, validated, background. So that way you completely understand what you're getting into. What are the left and right limits? What is the gray area? Kind of the best situation for your dollar that you have or your budget. Um, so that way you guys can go ahead and be you know, fruitful in your business endeavor. Okay, I think that's a wrap then. I'll include your information in the show notes so everyone knows how to reach you both. It was so nice chatting with you and I look forward to meeting you in New York City where you'll be guest panelists for an event I'm hosting along with Studio 420 on January 15th. See you then. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Okay, we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, 
Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.